what's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? Because you guys know who it is. This is Kevin from the Chord Progression Podcast. Brought to you by MSOC Rocks. Rock and Roll Thrive. Hey, guys. This week, we've been featuring bands that have albums coming out on Friday the 22nd. And this is yet another one. And my God, the story that is told at the end of this podcast is legitimately Maybe the funniest story we've ever heard on the podcast. Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, Phoenix Fitness. Live shows, back. Mosh pits, back. Me beating them all the time, it's back once again. And, man, I don't want to jump out of them. I don't want to get exhausted. So, I'm in the gym all the time, getting them fitness goals going. You know, super big in the cardio, super big in the weightlifting. Make sure, you know, I can take the hits, I can deliver the hits, and I can last the entire time. But I got to recover and I got to, you know, prepare right. That's where Phoenix Fitness comes in. Different supplements like pre-workout, stim, and stim-free. B-Cellular Recovery Compounds. They have different creatines, proteins, muffins. I mean, literally, anything you need to help you achieve your fitness goals, Phoenix Fitness has it for you. Our listeners of the Chord Progression Podcast get 15% off using the code MSOTD at FNXFit.com when you check out. Remember, 15% off using the code MSOTD at checkout. Now time for the featured presentation. So the band is called Empty. They've got a brand called Made of Fire coming out on the 21st. And we go very minutely into the music. I mean, we do get into it in terms of how Made of Fire is different from Empty's last release, how they went about it differently, uh, the difference in the verses when it comes to Close My Eyes and how that works out really well. But the two main things we come up with in this podcast for you is when you're performing the importance of creating that special moment especially if you're like an opener band, you know, you got to create that special moment. But Gary, the vocalist for Empty, gives me and you guys what has to be the funniest story I've ever heard in the Core Progression podcast. Again, if you want to jump right to that story, I'll have the timestamp in the description for you guys, but it's so freaking hysterical. You're going to want to listen to it. Enough with me talking. Let's get to Gary on the Core Progression podcast. Are you ready? Let's go! Yeah! Woo! Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Chord Progression Podcast. Man, there is so much good music coming out in 2021. So much diverse music to where you're hearing certain things. You're like, oh, this is going one direction. All of a sudden, it goes in a completely different direction. You're like, how the hell does that happen? How the hell does that work? Well, this band on their new album, Made of Fire, they kind of do that. It comes out on October 22nd, and before the album get, comes out, I get to talk to this guy about it. So please welcome from the band Empty, Gary. So Gary, welcome to the Core Progression Podcast. I appreciate it. Man, I appreciate having you on. How's everything going in your neck of the woods during this time uh, of the uh, life? It's good, man. I live in uh, Myrtle Beach, so like it's kind of just today actually cooled down enough to where I can wear like a jacket. But uh, it's been hot. It's been really, really hot. And uh, I've been working a lot and uh, just getting prepped to be able to tour again, which we can finally do. Thank God. Thank God, because we went, what, 18 months without any kind of live shows. And it was just it was like, you know, the South Park episode with the hobos whenever they didn't get changed. Like they just started like slowly deteriorating away. That's what it was like without live music for well, for me, at least. I'm not sure if it was like that for you, though. Since I was. I'm, I'm 24 now. Um, my birthday was just like two weeks ago, but since I was 18, I have not gone longer than maybe two months without playing a show. Really? And 
her last show was and that was like through like multiple bands and everything um but empty especially like we would do a tour or like at least like a week or two week long run every other month so that came to like a full halt after we did our last run in march of 29th or march of last year dang so it's like you know you guys were on that like two week run all of a sudden it's like that time hit you know middle of march where all of a sudden everything got shut down and then we were all yeah. fo- like forced to like huddle in our houses until all of a sudden it's like is it okay to come out yet is it okay can, can we go outside Right. And we were trying to stay like so hopeful because at the time, like, of course, nobody knew how long this was going to last. So like when people were saying like, oh, we might not be able to tour for like the rest of the year, I was like, nah, it's going to pass. Like we're going to be fine. And then like, like slowly but surely that like reality started to set in. And I was just like, oh, like I'm really going to go like at least a year without playing a show. Yeah, I still remember that, too, because I was just always thinking, you know, oh, everything will be like back at open, like, you know, May or June or something like that. So we'll be all good. But then I saw a tweet from uh, Franz from Attila, and he said something about like touring really not coming back until fall of 2021. And this was like May of 2020. I'm like, what the fuck does Franz know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it happened. I'm just it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. I'm like, this actually happened. <laughs> Yeah. And I was just like, nah, like I was like, you guys are just thinking worst case scenario. You guys are being pessimists. Like it's going to be fine. Like we'll be touring by the end of the year. No, I mean, it's, it's fall. And we just finally did a, uh, our first like week long run back, um, just a few weeks ago. How did that end up turning out? You know, I I've talked to so many bands when it comes to playing their first show since the pandemic some of them have not even played their first shows during the pandemic like like the day we're shooting this i released a podcast the band called the warning from mexico and their first show wasn't until welcome to rockville in november from the previous march so i'm always curious to hear about like how the emotions and how the feelings were you know getting back up on stage for the first time since the pandemic well like we did a we kicked everything off we did a hometown show um, a couple of weeks before we did this run and we were actually like hardcore. Cause I was like, man, we have not had like a rehearsal. We haven't done any of this stuff. I was like, I feel like we're like starting from scratch all over again. I was like, we have no merch. We have like, I'm having to pay for stuff out of pocket, which I haven't had to do in like three years. Um, we're having like rehearsals where none of us know how to like really play the songs together as a band. But we got up there. I mean, everything just like fell into place perfectly. Um, And it was a great like first show back. And it was everything that I absolutely needed it to be. Uh, The run, however, that we did, it was kind of mixed. Like half of it, half of the run did really, really well. Half of it, not so well. Um, And I've kind of been talking to a few people about that. And I think that like, the general consensus is like, number one, like we're still a very new, very small band. Um, but we were playing markets that will usually at least have like 50 people come out and we get to the show. I'm expecting at least like 50 people and it's more like 20. And what a lot of that is accredited to number one, everybody and their mom's trying to tour right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Two, you have a lot of people on either end of the spectrum where like some people are still worried 
about COVID, which is valid. And they still don't want to risk going out and going to shows. And then you have other people that straight up don't care about COVID, but they also don't want to get vaccinated. They don't want to wear a mask. They don't want to jump through hoops to be able to go to a show. So it's kind of hurting per like, it's kind of hurting attendance on like both ends of the spectrum a little bit. And I can totally understand that as well. I think right towards the, like maybe, you know, like May or June of last year in the pandemic, uh, the bar rescue guy, John Taffer, had this thing where it's very similar, like going out to the bars where you have three different types of people where it's right when things open back up. This is very similar for live shows as well. You're going to have a, like a group of people, like the first third of people that are just dying to get back out there. So you give them right. a chance to go and see a live show. They're going to take it. I mean, I was I'm, I'm in that group. So I've been to God, I don't know how many shows I was at during September, even October. It's like every single couple of days, it's like, OK, live show here, live show here. Then you're going to get that other half, the other third of the group, which is in the middle. It's like, okay, we want to wait a little bit, see how this all plays out, and then get back into it. Then you've got that back third, which is just like, we're not going out until it's completely safe, as as long as we think it's safe. And that definitely does hurt attendance as well, where I've seen bands where I'm expecting them to, you know, fully sell out the the venues that they're playing at, because I've seen them do it before, and they're getting maybe half to two-thirds right now. It's... Right. Like it's it's tough. So that like idea behind it is incredibly valid. Yeah. And then it's also like, yeah, I get it on both ends of the spectrum. Like every, both thoughts are like, you know, you have your own opinions and you're fine. You're valid. If you don't want to go to the show, then, you know, you don't want to go to the show. Um, either way, like whether I'm playing to five people or I'm playing to 500 people, I'm just glad that I can play shows again. And that's the way it should be. I mean, I because the day before we shot this, I saw a band called Final Confession. I've had them on the podcast for. They played a mile away from my house. I showed up there. The crowd they had was was really small for a Wednesday night. It was like maybe like six, seven people. But I was it was. I'm glad to see them. I'm glad to actually be able to go out and support them, which was so much fun. Gary, do I still got you? Your your phone kind of like looks yeah, yeah. out on me. Okay, so I was saying, like, it was good to see a band, like, play live, even though it was, like, a, a very small show. But, hell, I mean, they went out there, they gave it their all, and it was like, damn, all right, you know, we need some more of this stuff. But then again, there's a lot still at play here with the whole entire COVID situation. And I know a lot of the stuff that's going on as well with different areas of the country, different cities, different states have different requirements when it comes to vaccine, negative tests, entry protocols, whatever it might be. And no matter what side of the spectrum you're on when it comes to the vaccination thing, when it comes to negative tests, when it comes to going out and whatnot, it does impact attendance a hell of a lot. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the venues that we did on this last run, they also accepted, they were like, well, if you're not vaccinated, they will also accept a negative COVID test. And I'm like, I feel like that's a good compromise. Like, I feel like, you know, if you're, if you have like a super opposition to the vaccine, like go, just go get, go get tested. I feel like that's a good, it's a solid compromise. And they have the test now that you can get them done in like, what, maybe 10 minutes. I mean, and those are the quick ones, right. like the longer ones take what an hour. Maybe I think that's what happened yeah. when I got, when I got one back in March or something like that. But I mean, even for, for myself, I'm like, you know what? My whole entire thing was, was I just want to go to see live shows. Like I knew something like this was going to, I knew something like this was going to happen when live shows return. So I just like, I'm going to prepare for it because I'm not missing out on this stuff. Like I, I love this stuff. I'm going to be there every step of the way to the point where hell I'll go see three live shows a week and I'll just have a great time doing it. Right. 
exactly. And that's like, that's the kind of energy that I like, I appreciate. Um, and like the people that do come out to shows, like, it's awesome. I mean, we're still having like a super good time. We're about to do this, uh, it's like three week long tour out West with uh, our label mates and earth Groans. And like, regardless of if it's 10 people or a night, or if it's a hundred people a night, like we're going to have a good time. It, it, no matter how many people show up, you got to make the most of it. So where along this like West, like West part of the United States run, are you guys going to end up being in? Um, I'm pretty sure that we start out in Omaha and we make our way through like New Mexico, Colorado, California, Vegas, South Dakota. I think there's Washington and Oregon is on that as well. I'm not exactly sure of all the cities and all the days, but I just know that those are like, it's, it's that general area. Okay, so I mean, it's like you've got a huge portion of like, you know, like the southwestern part of the United States, you've got the northwestern part, but then you've got other places sprinkled in the middle, like you said, you've got Colorado in there, you've got uh, Nebraska, which in Omaha, you've got South Dakota. Man, can you just come a little bit further east to Wisconsin? I mean, make me very happy. Right. We played Wisconsin one time on um, 2019, we were on tour with O Sleeper. That was my first time ever in Wisconsin, and that was a killer show. Where'd you guys play at? I wish I remember. I'm so bad with like remembering venue names. Um, yeah, I do not remember. It's like I should have looked this up because like I'm trying to think if it's like one of the, like the if it's the big one that we have here, if it's like one of the smaller ones around the city where it's you know there's a couple downtown, there's one further south and one of the, like this more southern suburbs where it's just. I mean, it's like it's a room where it's like I maybe could see like two, three hundred people packing in there if you really got it packed in there. But it's still fun as all hell. Right. Where it's like they have a sign that says "Dance at your own risk." I'm like, that means mosh at my own risk. I'm in. Right, right. And it's just it's just crazy to see. It's like I'm. Not, I mean, ever since I started doing this stuff, finding so many other bands that I started on the podcast with, and all of a sudden I'm seeing them start playing in Milwaukee. And it's like I gotta go there. No, I gotta go there. No, I gotta go there. I'm like, I'm right. not missing out on seeing any of these any of these live because, I mean, you guys make everyone I talk to makes killer music in their own right I got a chance to listen to a good amount of like a couple of singles that made a fire and I mean it definitely does make sense why I'm like I want to see you guys come to Milwaukee so I can you know get get in that crowd have a good time and also when you guys bring in some of that heavier stuff all of a sudden start pushing some people get a great mosh pit going throw down and next thing you know at the end of it just be like Wah! high five everybody Woo! right right yeah we like to get a, a good solid like mix of like styles and sounds just like a little something for everybody but uh i'm definitely more privy to like the uh the more energetic like super mosh heavy type songs when it comes to playing them live well i would agree with that as well i mean especially from my perspective to where it's like that's what i love to do every time i see a mosh pit i'm just like Gimme, 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 gimme. I want to be a part of this. Like I, I mean, I'm I I got uh kicked out of Slipknot because they uh they the pit tickets were like 350 bucks. I'm like, I'm not paying that much. So I tried sneaking in, got kicked out. All of a sudden, my buddy's ticket that he was supposed to use, he never used. So I just walked back around to the front and scanned it in and went back in. But it's oh, just yeah. like whenever I see a live show, it's like the energy-driven style is so much in my opinion, so much better just because it's more engaging for the crowd. It's you know, you're gonna keep the crowd entertained with the whole entire thing. However, it never hurts to put in like maybe like a little bit of like a softer like dip in there for like one or two songs just to give people, right. especially if the pit's crazy, 
give the pit just a little bit of a breather because sometimes I'm not going to lie when those pits get like going and it's just like everyone's smacking around each other. It's hot in there. It's humid. People are just like getting a little winded a song or two. that's a lot on the softer side. Let's catch our breath. Not gonna lie. It's a real help. I'm a really big fan of like dynamics in music and having like, okay, well, like you're seeing us for the first time. Then like, you don't really know what we're going to play next. We could whip out anything. Like we could play, we could play chemist and you know that's like a mosh hard song or i could play temporary high next and that's you know more of like a poppy like we can kind of just dance around kind of song oh absolutely and it's it's those things where you never know and it just kind of just really creates that whole entire potential for just this show it's going to go in so many different places however again the key is going to be how especially when you're creating the set list how you run those dynamics because as the band, you're the one in control of how much energy is going to be put out to the crowd, whether it's going to be something that's more mosh heavy or something's going to be more vibey. But understanding how to construct that and essentially make, you know, those more vibey parts really work within there is is an art form in itself. Yeah, for sure. And I will say 99% of the time, like you can kind of like we sit down and we try to like get it down to like a science where we're like, okay, like this makes sense. Like this is like the flow. But then really, you don't know until you start playing and then seeing how like the energy kind of carries over and how the crowd responds to it, because then it's like, okay, you might have to like move some stuff around like we did a before we even recorded this album or started like writing these songs, even with our last album, we were like in the middle of a tour and we were like, oh, yeah, this one song is kind of like making the energy kind of carry in like a weird way. So we ended up just like cutting that song out. Um, so sometimes like you can have this like perception of what it's going to be and what the show is going to be like. And then it just doesn't really like turn out that way and people aren't fucking with it. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, uh, we're, we're doing the best we can. I think that the set list we have right now is like super solid as far as like the way the energy transfers from like track to track well especially with that previous run that you just did to get back out there and just get going once again it's you're able to kind of figure out especially with the new album how these songs are going to play into your live set how the crowd is going to react to them with whatever energy they're going to react to them with so you can kind of already tailor that a little bit way with uh with more of a sample size data of how the crowd's going to react instead of having to guess on that so that when it comes to you know your next run where you're going to go out west what you're able to do with that one is, is okay, now you have the wherewithal to how fans are going to react to it, but you got to continue to stay on your toes, got to be able to stay more improvisational because you never know exactly all of a sudden as you might play a song in, let's say, in Florida, that's going to be, you know, has people going crazy, bodies flying everywhere, and you might go and play it, let's say, in like South Dakota or in New Mexico or in Colorado where you play the same song and the energy just isn't the same. So being able to adjust on the fly is going to be something that is really going to give you guys a lot of potential to make some really creative decisions, really incredible shows that people are going to remember because if you're able to read the crowd's energy, you're able to read how they're reacting to you guys, you're going to be able to play off of that and really create a show that they're going to remember when they go home and the next day when they go to work, they're going to be like, yo, so this band called Empty last night. First, all of a sudden, we're like, we weren't vibing. All of a sudden, they made this change. It was like, what the hell? Next thing you know, they're talking about it for the next couple of days and you right. go back to that that area in like a you know half a year to a year, and a show of let's say you know maybe a hundred or two hundred people ends up growing to maybe like six seven hundred. 
Right. And uh, another thing that I like about the fact that we have so many different like vibes throughout all of our songs is that depending on who we're touring with, we can also kind of tailor our set list to kind of work better for that. So like if we're touring with like Earth Groans is a pretty heavy band. So we're touring with Earthgrown, so we're going to tailor our set list to be a little more appealing for the heavier crowd, because that's the kind of shows that we're going to be playing. But if we're touring with like a lighter band, like we're going to do like a tour with like a pop punk band, then we're going to play probably more of like the temporary high type stuff and then still have those like heavy moments just because I love playing shows i will say this i love playing shows where we are like the only heavy band (laughs) at all because we have done these like house shows or these like little like small diy type shows where like they're all indie pop bands every single band on the bill is like indie pop and then we come on and the kids don't even know what to do with themselves because they're like (laughs) is this allowed like what what am i wanting (laughs) And they're just like in awe. And it's like, it, you don't even know if it's like a good or bad awe, but like just the way that we perform, like we're climbing the ceiling and jumping off of things and I'm just screaming and it's super loud. It's super heavy. And they just don't even know how to react. They're just like dumbfounded. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that sounds incredible. Just because when you think of like, you know, the pop punk crowd as well, it's I've seen it where, you know, they can get rather. I mean, a lot of pop punk fans love a day to remember. So all of a sudden you, right. you hear downfall of this all star playing and, you know, people are going to throw down. But for the most part about it, you know, it's more of like this highly energetic kind of vibe that people are going to really start to like get a little more dancey to in a way. All of a sudden you guys come on or if it's indie pop as well, because it had definitely has more of this softer, more mellow feel, flow and tone to it. You guys come on, start playing some of the heavier stuff, doing some unclean vocals, are climbing all over the stage, literally on top of like some of the lighting rigs, just screaming your ass off. Like if you're Jason Allen Butler from Fever 333, maybe you're stripped down your way and you jump off too. People are going to be looking. They're not going to know what to do with themselves. But that whole entire changeup is going to be something that they will not forget due to the fact that it was unexpected and it took them by total surprise. Right. And that's always my goal whenever we go on to stage to play a show, especially when like, like I said, we're a small band still. We're still super new. Um, We haven't been a band for very long. We haven't been signed for very long at all. So like when we do these tours, especially like bigger tours, like we toured with O Sleeper, we were the first, we were like the opening band of the tour package. So there were some nights where there wasn't an opening band, like there wasn't a local. So we're the first band and like we were playing Arkansas. And the first thing that I do is I rip my shirt off. I run off stage and I go jump into a trash can because (laughs) they don't know how to react. They're like, what is this guy doing? Oh my God, what the hell? And that, that's the tone for the whole night. That was the first day of the tour. I haven't even met any of the other bands yet. <laughs> and you jump in a trash can and that sets yeah. the tone for the whole freaking thing. So, and that's the thing. So that was all of the bands, like Convictions, uh, Famous Last Words, and No Sleeper. That was like their perception of me. The entirety of the tour was I was the guy who jumps into trash cans. <laughs> Yeah, but one other thing too is is because especially as from what I've I've talked to many other bands. Well, 
I'll say I've talked to many bands as well, especially a lot of them that, you know, of course, everyone's gone through that period of time where you want to get in the bigger tour packages as an emerging band. You're going to be the opener, especially if there's a local band that isn't going to go on to actually open up the whole entire show. But right. what it comes down to it is, is, you know, the crowd, the early crowd is there. And as the opener, as the opening man, you're the one that's going to, you know, prime the crowd for the rest of the show. So it's like you got to it's if you can get the crowd engaged, then that next band is going to be able is going to have to keep the crowd engaged. But they're in a better place because this crowd is already set and ready to go. All of a sudden you come on, you jump in a trash can just to start out the whole entire thing on the first night. All of a sudden there's a certain energy. There's a certain idea behind what this tour is going to be like just from the first action that you took. And it really provides a lot more energy to what possibly can be done with this tour. How is this going to be able to play off? And how engaged is the crowd? Because if you jump in the crowd and all of a sudden you jump in a trash can, I mean, people are going to look around and be like, what the actual hell? But it's something that's going to have them fully engaged in the show mentally and like just, I mean, emotionally because, hell, you're right there. All of a sudden you start playing some heavy. I mean, they're going to get involved physically because, you know, mosh pit time and then the energy is just there right from the get-go and you provided that from the first minute right because like as a performer it is so much easier to put on a performance when you know that energy is reciprocated from the crowd but also like when you have a crowd that's standing in the back of the room and they're not like super engaged with you yet they're not like standing up front they're not like you don't really know how they're gonna act or react or whatever you still have to you still owe them the same performance that you put on every single other night and as if you want to get them engaged you have to do something that's gonna make them go like yo what the fuck was that and you're gonna have to do something that's gonna make them want to watch you for the rest of the night and not walk out in the first three minutes of your set Oh, absolutely. And having that self-awareness is something that is important to have that you have, but also for any other band that might be listening, any other performer that might be listening, that's a very important thing to remember due to the fact that, I mean, it's, it's like streaming music right now. It's, you know, people, you know, send a new band to you, you find a new band, you're going to listen to one song on average, typically for the first 10 seconds. And on average, people are like after the 10 seconds, if they like it or not, if they like it, they're going to stick with it. If they don't, they're going to write off that band completely go to the next one. When it comes to a live performance, it does have a very similar trope to it. You have a little bit more time to work with. But again, it's something where if you don't hook them in, in those first like two to three minutes, they could very well, you know, if there's more bands in the package, they're going to walk to the bar. They're going to walk to the outdoor patio and they're just going to chill until it's over, until the band they wanted to come and see, they're going to see. If you can create a moment that's going to make them want to stay within that first one to two minutes, None of that, but especially if you're the first band on a larger tour bill and you're going to make them safe for the, for your set, they're going to want to save for the next set and see what happens. Right. And then it's just going to be a thing where all of a sudden, you know, the crowd is engaged from the first song of the first band, not like the first song of the headliner. Right. And it's also like, we're again, we're a small band. Like whenever we're doing these bigger tour packages, most nights, only like a handful of people even have heard of us before we had played that show. So it's like, you have to do something that's gonna make these people want to go home and listen to your music, want to buy merch, want to like actually support your band. Because if you don't do something memorable, then you're just like, you're just another opening band. 
Exactly, and it doesn't have to be something that's like full on. You know, you don't you don't have to like full on adopt a huge gimmick or anything to really just have that be a thing. Like, you don't need to wear. You don't need to. You don't need to. Be, like when Slipknot first started, I mean, their one of their biggest marketing ploys was you know that they're always wearing masks, and it was a point of interest to really bring people in. And not right. gonna lie, I mean, it's fucking badass. Like, look at Einstein kills with all the horror stuff as well. It's a point to bring people in. You see their live show. It's something that's gonna pull you in from the first song to keep you interested. So if you're able to do something, it doesn't have to be that gimmick. It would be like a gimmick, you know, like a marketing thing like that. As well as it can be tied into the whole entire band of the music. However, if it's something where you're able to create a moment that people are going to remember from your live set and be engaged during your live set, it's going to be something that's going to like, you know, burn their I like burn your band in their memories. That happened with me with a local punk band here in Milwaukee where I saw them open up as a band called Size Fives. They open up for Anti-Flag and Pennywise. And I'm just like, these guys just played with a shit ton of energy. They were jumping to the crowd left around. I'm like, this is freaking awesome. All of a sudden, a couple months ago, I was at a show just here at like a small venue in Milwaukee and all of a sudden it was a punk show. I'm like, okay, I don't even know who's playing. They're like, have you heard of the size fives? I'm like, wait, they're playing tonight? Oh, fuck yeah. Right. It's like that kind of memory. It sticks with you. Even if you like, you know, maybe you forget about it for a while, but all of a sudden you just see the band on stage. And you listen. It's like, if they did something memorable the first time you saw them, you might, you might forget about them for a little bit, but if you go see me again, all of a sudden it's going to ignite and you're going to want to listen to them more and more. Right. It's like you said, you don't need like a crazy like gimmick, but you just have to create a moment that is memorable. Mm-hmm. And you have to like, you know, you have to create a moment that people are going to want to like actually engage with you. And it's funny that you mentioned Jason Butler like a few minutes ago, because that man is like my absolute idol. He is like I saw Let Live was the very first band I ever saw the first time that I went to Warp Tour and I was like 15 and uh, first thing that he does, like I'm watching his set, this man puts a trash can on his head and just dives into the crowd. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be that guy. Like, I think that's insane. Like this man, like I have I had never even heard of them up to that point. I was 15 and I had never heard of Let Live. But like from that, that moment, they were like one of my all time favorite bands. And if you look at like a lot of the comments or like what people have to say about Empty, it's always like, yo, you need to see them live. Like their live set is crazy. They do like really crazy shit. Like this man likes to climb the ceilings like a spider monkey. <laughs> Gotta start calling you Spider Gary instead of Spider Monkey. Spider Gary, yep. Spider Gary <laughs> climbs walls during his live set. Right. <laughs> and I was literally just about to ask you, like, was there like a moment when you saw a band live that just like captured it for you? I'm like, nope, that you just literally answered my That's question it. before I was even That's able to it. ask it. Let- Watching Jason Butler and Let Live, I was like, that is it. That is like who I aspire to be in my performances. Um, and that's a level of like, I, I don't think that is obtainable to anybody except for Jason Butler, unless you're like, like the chariot or something. Um, but that is what I've always aspired to perform like a constant. And he had said something before that. He was like, whenever I'm playing a set, it's constant movement. Like there's never a point where I'm just going to stand still and just, just sing and just be there. Like I'm constant in constant motion. And it's always like, it's crazy. Why? Cause you only have, especially like when you're a small band like us, you only have 25 minutes or 30 minutes in a set. So you kind of have to be like on the spot. Think of something that you can do. That's going to be wild and crazy enough to catch somebody's attention. 
No, absolutely. Because again, especially if people don't know who you are, you've got to grab that attention right away or you got to grab attention at some point. And especially doing it a little bit earlier in the show or in your set is going to be more paramount because then people aren't going to just leave or they're going to be more attached to it. Bring up Jason Allen Butler as an example. I mean, I got to go see Fever 3-3 on the, when I saw Slipknot at the NotFest Roadshow. And oh, yeah. not standing still, yeah, that that is like his mantra to a T. I didn't think I saw that guy stand still at all. But, I mean, by the end of the show, because they always, they always wear like the jumpsuits kind of thing. By the end of the yeah. show, he was just in his underwear. Just like, well, yeah, that fucking happened. But I'm like, I texted some people. I'm like, now we know the answer. Boxers or briefs? Jason Allen Butler? Briefs. That's pretty much right. all I sent to him. But when it comes down to it, it's, again, there's certain things that you remember about a band. When, again, I'll use Fever as an example. I always knew that they were going to be super high energy. So I'm like, I want to see what this what this is like. I had a couple of chances beforehand, but there were show cancellations or I got sucked into something else at a festival. So I completely would always miss out. And I'm not like, I finally got a chance to see them, but I already knew about their live set. And when I was reading through you guys, when it came to empty, I'm like, I'm seeing like bands routinely climbing on the rafters during live performance. I'm like, okay, now I'm like, I got to go and see this live just because I want to see this energy. I want to see what happens because even if like I'm in the pit going crazy, there's going to come a point in time where I'm going to turn my head on stage to see what the hell you guys are doing. And if I see you up on the rafters going absolutely nuts like a spider monkey or spider Gary, I'm going to be like, God damn, this yeah. is awesome. Um, the one caveat that does come with is that sometimes, uh, most of the time, venues do not appreciate you climbing their uh, their rafters and their ceilings. Um, we definitely have been banned from uh, from venues before. Um, because we've broken something or simply because we have created a safety hazard on the O sleeper tour. We were playing, um, I'm not going to say like the venue, but on the O sleeper tour, we were playing a show and, uh, the Raptors were very high. Like I had to, the way it stage was, it's like stage. And then there was like a second floor, like balcony type feel. Okay. And so I jumped from the stage um, and like climbed up the like the fence for the balcony. And then I like walked across the fence and then jumped onto the rafters from there. <laughs> like if I would have fallen, I definitely would have broken something. Okay. Like absolutely 10,000%. It was that it was definitely like high enough. Um, yeah. The promoter ran into a uh, sleepers green room and was like, yo, this dude is on the ceiling. Um, I like if he keeps this up, like I will shut the show down. Damn. Yeah, he was not having it. Um, yeah, I came down. Uh, and I don't know, like I just I'm kind of an asshole um, when it comes to like shit like that. So like I'm coming like down the stairs after I like after that song is over. And uh, he's like, yeah, don't do that again. And I was like, well, it'd be weird if I did it a second time. <laughs> <laughs> be strange i already did it once um yeah the uh the venue owner was not happy the promoter was certainly not happy um and when it comes to like our life side sometimes we do have to watch out for that especially when we're on a like bigger tour package because in the event that uh like we do something and like, I don't know, I think it'd be embarrassing, but it also like, I would feel so bad if like a show got shut down because I decided to do something that was irresponsible. 
Oh, understandable. Especially if you're like on the opening part of the bill. Cause I've, I've right. talked with, I talked with the band small town Titans before a lot about this because it's like the, when I had them on the podcast, their whole entire thing was like, especially if you're going to be that opening act of the bandits, you know, you're going to want to make sure that that show flows real nicely so that when you get to the headline, everyone's primed and ready to go. And I mean, I, like, I used to want to have that show shut down, especially on your own, on your record due to the fact that now all of a sudden it's people that came out there. It's like, Oh no, the show got shut down because some of the opener was climbing on the rafters, but it's something again, that does create that memorable moment, but you want to have that memorable moment be something that's positive. I mean, it's still cool to do that, but all of a sudden if the show gets shut down, that's what people are going to remember about you guys. It's you want to make sure that, you know, they remember, Holy shit. He was climbing on the rafters and it was awesome. And it made the show so much better instead of he climbed on the rafters and the show got shut down. Like you can see like how the difference in perception can be taken in that. And then when it comes to empty, when it comes to the fans, it's, are they going to look at you in a positive light and check out your band? Or are they going to have a negative reaction and not want to check you out due to something that happened? Right. Now, if we're like headlining the show and we're the last band, we climb the rafters and you know, we get banned, we get, shut down we get kicked out it is what it is that that you know whatever sucks you know we can move on from that but it's like i'm not trying to like ruin you know i want to be respectful of the other bands um and i want them to be able to play and make money because like you know we're the opening band or like we're the one the opening band of the tour package show gets shut down that means like you know we're not getting paid nobody's getting paid like the headliner band like i'm gonna have to pay their guarantee out of my pocket yeah, and that's not something that you want to do because yeah, that's just going to take a huge hit of your, not only like your money out of pocket right then and there, but then also how much money you're going to make off of that rest of that tour. Plus, right. plus not that, but it's just the perception of the band with the rest of the bands that are going to be on that tour package because the show got shut down if you're climbing on the rafters. Again, that's somewhere it's like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still not saying, you know, don't do it. I mean, like, I, I love the fact that you guys do it because it does create a lot of energy but especially understanding that it's, you know, when it comes to different venues, it's you got to know how to play that. And it seems like with your mindset, you kind of figured that out to the point where you're going to be a little more careful with that to doing something like that. If it's you're an opener, but if you're a headliner it ha- you have more a lot more free reign to work within that. Right. So I guess uh, to anybody that is listening to this word of advice, if you are going to climb the rafters um just, just ask the venue ahead of time. Just ask them when you get there. It's like, yo, is it cool if I like climb your shit? Um, because there's, I don't, I think it's unnecessary to like create uh, a conflict out of that when uh, it's incredibly unnecessary. Like I've, I, I ask from here on, I always ask whoever's running the show, like, is this going to be cool? Or is this going to be like a thing that's going to piss somebody off? Um, and most of the time it's cool. Most of the time. Um, it's whenever it's a no, don't climb our shit. It's always because it's just like, Oh, a safety violation. Then I'm like, wait a minute, I'll sign a waiver that says I'm not going to sue you if I fall on my own accord. Um, I mean, I, mean, I think, I think when it comes to safety violations, Oh, again, it's somewhere they're trying to cover their butts. And I totally understand every step of the way on that. Oh, yeah. and also some, it's like it, I don't think they're necessarily worried about, you know, if you, if, cause if you're the one asking for about, about doing it, it's like, I'll sign a waiver. They're not necessarily worried about you. They're worried about what might happens if you fall and something else breaks and it falls onto someone in the crowd. Right. Or if I fall onto someone in a crowd and then it's like a whole, 
fiasco because it's then like, yeah, I'm liable for that. But then also the venue is liable for somebody else getting hurt because they got hurt on their part. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. So again, I, I do like the fact that I do respect the fact that you ask beforehand as well, because then, it, I, well, not like that, but it really creates an ability for you to tailor the show from there on. Because if the venue does say no already, now you know that from the get go and you're able to try and figure out a way to create that like memorable moment with uh, like you have a little more time to figure out what you want to do with that and really get right. the crowd energized. That doesn't involve climbing on a bunch of shit. Right. Then it's just like, okay, well, what else can I do? You know? Um, like I said, a lot of the performance is incredibly improvisational. It's just whatever happens in the moment. It, um, I was saying that's kind of the best way to go about it. That's the way that, you know, we're going to feel, especially in the crowd, we're going to feel like you're just enjoying it and you're really taking the, you know, the show for what it is and trying to make it the best possible. We'll respond in kind. Right. And I'm way more concerned about the performance than I am like whether I'm on key or on pitch or how I sound or whatever, because the thing is like, if you want to go listen to us, just go like check us out on Spotify. <laughs> I'm here to give you a performance. Like you paid for the show. No. Oh, yeah. Cause like when I go to concerts, it's like, I'm not paying to hear the highest quality music. I'm, I'm paying because I want to be in that crowd. I want to see the band perform live and, for myself, I want to have that memorable moment, whether it's almost being almost getting second degree burns because Disturbs Pyro is so freaking hot, especially you're right, if you're right in front that, you know, you could potentially get burnt from it or just right. how crazy those pits might be. Or with Ice Nine Kills, I use them as an example, all the crazy horror tropes they throw into their whole entire show, all the all the crazy energy that Moshe's and White puts into their show. It's somewhere it's right. like, you know, I know that the music quality is going to be less than what it is. On uh, if you're streaming it or if you're downloading or you're listening on the album because you didn't have the studio mixing and mastering on that like you're doing this on the spot so it's gonna sound the best that it's gonna sound but you're you're paying for an experience you're not paying just to right. listen to it if you want to pay to listen to it buy the album just go buy the album go stream it on Spotify go like there are plenty of outlets that you can go listen to it and it's pitch perfect and I sang it to the best of my ability right now I'm just trying to give you a show. And honestly, I got to give you a lot of respect for that as well, because as long as the songs do sound, you know, somewhat good and I know what song it is and it's not like I'm like, what song are they playing now? Or because but then again, there are times for venues. I'm not going to lie where the sound quality is like, well, what's going on here, guys? Can yeah. and I know it's, it's like it, it just all depends on a bunch of different factors. But right. if you're able to create that, you know, memorable moment from what you're doing during live show during your performance, that's going to be more memorable than anything else. Right. And when it comes, I was going to say, and that kind of can segue into, because you're talking about, you know, wanting to be pitch, you know, you want to have it pitch perfect. You can listen to it online. You can listen to it. You can buy an album. You can stream it, whatever. But I mean, you guys got the new album made of fire coming out in the 22nd. So I don't want to go a whole entire podcast and not talk about the fact that you guys have a brand new album <laughs> right. coming out. That right, seemed right. really kind of weird. Right, right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We got, uh, got this new album coming out. It's super super different shit for us i'm saying uh, oh go ahead my bad oh no you get um but uh yeah it's just super different shit it's definitely like musically it is incredibly like a different direction for us it all together just front to back so why did you go in this little bit of a different direction though what was what was the inspiration behind it was it something that you know during the pandemic you guys just had a different feel and like just different emotions were coming out when you're creating these songs or what was the cause of this different direction that you're talking about well i was actually having this conversation with somebody the other day and i was like 
the thing is, is like pretty much like the week after we finished recording our first album, like we hadn't even released it yet. First week after we finished recording our first album, I was like, you know what? I really kind of want to make music that sounds more like what I listen to. Um, because, and that's kind of what the gist of all of the music that we write is. It's just kind of whatever we're into at the time. Uh, when we started Empty, um, me and uh, Ian, my drummer, we were just really into Under Oath. So we wanted to sound a lot like Under Oath. Um, and we wanted to be that like 2000, like that mid 2000s, like post hardcore, um, like solid state core type band. Um, like we were really into Norma Jean and Under Oath and the Chariot. We were like, yeah, let's do shit. Like that sounds like that. So we were definitely like an Under Oath worship band for like the longest time. Um, and I just had like the epiphany, like I really like, I like heavy music and there are certain bands that I follow and listen to, but actively that's not like the main thing that I listen to. I'm really into like alternative and pop music and, uh, between like the three of us that are in empty right now, we all listen to such a wide, like the three of us together, we all like a lot of different music, but then the three of us separately, like even more different types of music. And so we wanted to write something that kind of showcased music, like a kind of conglomeration of music that we all actually actively listen to and not just like a copy paste of something that has already been done a million times we didn't want to be like the nostalgia band anymore we wanted to write something that was like okay this is like us this is a sound that we have that is unique to us um and this is what empty is gonna be this is what empty is gonna sound like and that makes a total amount of sense too, because it, whenever you're listening to some, especially as the band members, you guys all have different tastes. You guys all have different likes and what you want to do. So when it comes to creating something, it's like, okay, let's see what exactly you want to do. Your influence are definitely going to come from the music that you like. And if you're listening, that has got more of an alternative style, more of a popular style to it that, and you're going to write something that, and you're going to let this just flow. That's naturally going to come out. And this happens with any band. If you're writing heavier stuff, if you're writing lighter stuff, something that's more pop punk. It's got more some pop synth stuff in there, whether it's more post, uh, post hardcore, death, whatever it might be, honestly, like this stuff does happen. And it does come out with a lot more of genuineness because it feels like it's really coming from your heart where if you guys would have done exactly what you did on the first record again, I'm not like, it would have definitely felt like a copy and paste kind of thing. It's like, okay, cool. You know, it's still kind of sound like that, like heavier under oath style, but right. it's like, you know, if you guys are able to pull out some of these different things while also including some of the heavier stuff in there as well, I mean, you're going to end up creating this more conglomerate style of music that's going to sound a lot more dynamic over time that's going to have a lot more of a wider base for people to reach but not only that it's going to also have more of a genuineness from you because this is the music that you you know you care about this is the music that you're influenced by this is the music that really touches you so it's going to come out when you create something right and the thing is is like i love seeing like the reception on uh the new music that we released because again i'm kind of an asshole so <laughs> it's really funny to me like my favorite comments are the people that do not like the songs that they are so like in opposition to it because they're like this doesn't sound anything like their last album and i'm like yeah that that's why we wrote a new album 
because we were ready to write different music. I am a firm believer that if you were about to release the part two, like if your second album or your next album is going to be part two of your last album, then you're not ready to write another release. Um, you're just, if you're just going to copy and paste what you already did just with different, you know, lyrics and like slightly different instrumentals, but if it's going to sound exactly the same, then why are you dropping new music? You already did that. I think that music is meant to evolve and grow with time. And I think that that, I think that this album showcases that like that we have grown and that we have adapted and that we listen to a lot of different kinds of music. And then that's like, you have more of a dynamic sound as well. And so the people that kind of like comment that stuff where it's like, Oh my God, this didn't sound like, you know what, what I wanted to, or didn't sound like, or I don't like this. I mean, of course, when other bands come out with new music as well, even for myself as a fan, there are bands that have come out with new music. I'm like, I'm excited for Then I listen. I'm like, what the hell is this? But yeah. the other thing too is, is do I have to listen to that as a fan? No, I don't have to listen to it if I, if I don't like it. Do other people like it? Yeah, probably there's some other people that like it and they'll listen to it. But if I want to, it's like, oh, they, I wish they did their old, like, like what they did, used to do. Why don't I just go back and listen to what they used to do? Like, Dog, it's, that's it's exactly still there. What I, that's what I was exactly about to say. I'm like, okay, well, if you really like that album, like, it's still there. I didn't pull that album. Like, you can still go listen to it. We still play those songs. We're just releasing more music that's different from what we already did and established. And it was like, that music was like cool and good. And like some of the comments will be like, oh, this just sounds like it was just like hastily thrown together. And I'm like, damn, dude, like I had all of COVID to write this album. And it's just funny when people say that because like, I'm like, damn, you guys really don't realize that like our last album was very much like hastily thrown together. <laughs> um, like from the time that we, oh shit, there was like a bug crawling on me. Um, from the time that, uh, um, we like finished up our contract and like got the deal with solid state to the time that we entered studio, we had maybe a couple of months. Ooh, that is not I'm a lot of time. Mate, like we had written a few songs already. Like we maybe had like four songs already, but like we had maybe two or three months. Yeah. That's not a lot of time to put together a whole album. No. So like then we get to and like you know for for anybody who doesn't know like the process of like actually having your album produced it's like you sit down with your producer and you're like okay these songs that you like you take a look at the songs that you bring to the studio and you're like okay these songs work these songs don't um we can either sit here and try to fix those songs or we can write something completely different so then it's like, okay, well, let's try to write some new stuff. So we're in studio trying to like tweak songs, write new songs. And then it's like, we're only in studio for like three weeks. So then it's like that clock, like that sounds like a good bit of time, but like, it's really not. I mean, you'll spend so much time just recording that like you spend two weeks trying to write new music and trying to like fix up the song so that they sound the best that they can. And then you spend one week recording, like it starts getting down to the wire. So like, really, if we're being like full, fully honest about like our first album, I'm maybe, even when we left the studio, I was maybe happy with like four songs. 
uh, out of the 11. That is, that is not a lot, my friend. That is not a lot. No, I was, that's not even half the album. Like most of it, like there were some songs like Chemist and Slow Death and a couple others that I was just like entrenched. And I was just like, these songs are like great. This is awesome. Like I love these songs. And then there's like the other ones where I'm like, these are okay. It's just, I think because you were like a little bit disheartened where it's like, you know, these are okay. It's like you're trying to hastily put together. But when it comes to like the new stuff as well, people are like, oh, this sounds like it was hastily put together. Honestly, I'll say this. Listen to the, listen to the first song and listen to Close My Eyes. And I can guarantee you, like, I went through that whole entire song pretty much for like an hour today. Just like really trying to get down like my whole entire mindset and thoughts. I'm like, this cannot be hastily put together the way that it was constructed. There is no way in hell yeah. that that's possible. Yeah, that is like when we and and I have to credit our producer, John, with uh, coming up with like the kind of concept for that song, because I have that like scream rap verse in that. And that was totally his idea, um, because it was just like we were talking about the kind of music that we like to listen to. And I was like, yeah, I'm really into this like emo rap and this like like I'm really into like nothing, nowhere. And like I love Ghostman. Like we all love Ghostman. Um and then we were writing like the second verse he was like yo what if you like scream rap this second verse and i was like i have never done such a thing in my life but i, I will 100 percent try it and we did it like that was the first time in recording anything ever that i did something and it was perfect in one take in one take i did that in one take jesus christ yeah, because because like listening through the song, we like we went back over and we added like, you know, there's the there's like backing screams and there's like mm -hmm. layers on top of it. But that bass that like um, that main line, like that main top line for the vocals, that was one take. Damn. It's like sometimes, you know, it's like I think it was a quote from the movie Rat Race. It was a good things take take time. Great things happen all at once. But like really looking through the vocals on that as well, because when you get in that first verse, because they do have a more of that melodic rap rock style to them in the first verse where it's just where it's not the scream, scream rap. And it has a little bit more of this like resentful feel to the tone of your vocals on that first verse. And I really like that to work out well, because it kind of felt like, you know, there's some discontent going on with a current situation that you might be dealing with inside your own head. So having that there, it really shows that little more of like this discontent kind of starting to build up. But when you got to the second verse and you did that screaming rap rock style, I'm like, this is just full on unleashed, especially with the uncleans. And I'm like, this is, I'm even reading off my notes right here to make sure I don't fuck this. I'm like, what a fucking move. I'm like, you're feeling this more prevalent and wanting to like find some sort of change to the problem that's going on in your head to fix it. And there's like this desperation feel that comes forward. And I'm all for it because it, when you're in that headspace of like, you know, you're trying to find a change of situation, but you feel like you just cannot fix anything that's going on. It really feels like this desperation thing really comes to the forefront. And that screaming verse, the screaming rap style, it just shows prevalently and putting that in the second verse god damn what a move right right and like i was super happy with how it turned out and like another thing that like i will note because i've seen some of the comments on it they were like yeah some of the lyrics on that song are like kind of cheesy and i'm like yeah that's intentional um i definitely think that okay so i know a lot of people have like some pretty hard line opinions about it I thought that MGK's pop punk album that he did, the tickets to my downfall, I thought it was fantastic. Thought it was amazing. Um, 
And I said, I was like, the biggest reason why this album has done so well is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. That like, is... it's just music that doesn't take itself too seriously. And that's a big point for me. Like, I feel like people take, like, when it comes to lyric writing, people take music too seriously. Like, sometimes you can have these, like, corny little cheesy lines that are just like, like, there's, there's literally a line in there that says, check out my frown when I stride. Like, I think that's so funny. Well, I think a lot of reason too is because especially when it comes to just the lyrics, a lot of people have a deep association to whatever the uh, topic is about the song. So, like, if it's something that it's something they feel a lot deeper too, they're gonna want to have that deeper connection to it. It's like, uh, uh, bring me the rise with KP Mar. It's like I can't draw my demons. They they learn how to swim. It's like okay, that is deep. Like that's a great line. That's that can get deep as shit. But there are times where, you know, when it does come to music, it does also provide an escape. So you don't want to, at times, take it too seriously. And there are times, especially with more of like a pop punk style rum, like with MGK's album, not taking itself too seriously. It does work out. Even for myself with MGK's pop punk album, I, I really like the instrumentals behind it. A lot of it because it was also co-written with Travis Barker. I'm like, okay, so there's a lot of great hooks here. There's a lot of great pieces here. I can't stand MGK's vo- uh, singing voice. I just don't no. care for it. However, I'm, I wasn't going to bash anyone for liking them. I'm like, this album is getting more people into the genre. Right. Let yeah. that happen. Hold it. Like, people are going to, like, it's going to rebirth. Like, whether you want to admit it or not, like, somebody that big and that prolific, uh, like, actively being into this side of music is going to reignite the passion for this scene absolutely and even like with the whole entire thing with uh him talking shit on slipknot and i saw how many people were going off and i'm like looking from what he's done in the past this is a this is a move that's gonna be worth it for both sides because now all of a sudden people are gonna be defending slipknot and all of a sudden you know people are gonna be more into that but they're gonna get into more of slipknot but you know it's gonna create more of this perception of bringing rock and metal back into the forefront of pop culture because you've got someone like mgk who is at the forefront of pop culture in other different facets you know bringing up some sort of drama around different rock and metal artists but all of a sudden it's getting more attention on them right exactly and it's like it's i don't think that there were like i almost want to believe it was planned like i want to believe that this was like this is all a shtick this is a gimmick because it's so perfect because it's two people like with between Slipknot and MGK, it's two people that are so well known for having beef with other artists. And I'm like, this is just perfect. It just perfectly lines up. And now like, if you go on like TikTok, like I go on, I was on TikTok today and I was just like, there are still so many people that are like talking about Slipknot. They're talking about MGK. Mm-hmm. They're talking about this drama. And then, like, you look at their streams, both of their streams are going up because people are talking about it. Oh, absolutely. And it's just something where, when it, I'm, I like, I wasn't 100% sure if it was like a gimmick from the Slipknot's, I think, but like, when I saw MGK, I'm like, I saw them do this with Eminem. Like, this is the same exact thing over and over and over again. And when right. it comes when it comes to Slipknot, I'm not glad. I mean, they've got a huge fan base. They got a huge dedicated fan base. So I knew that people were gonna come out in droves and be like going up against MGK. Like during Louder Than Life, they freaking try to uh, boom off stage. Which right. again, I, I understand because it was kind of a coordinated effort. Fans are gonna do that, but you're putting a lot more attention 
on him. You're putting a lot more attention on Slipknot as well, and you're putting a lot more attention on the situation, which is going to get people interested in seeing what Rock and Metal is doing. Hell, then Disturbed came out and like you know did a whole entire thing about it as well. I'm just like, okay, now I got to see what's going on with Disturbed stream because it's right, probably it's going like, up on that front. Right, and that's another thing is like not only is it just between them two, now every other artist is like weighing in on this discussion and about like their like which side they're on or their hatred for whatever other end of it. And I'm just like, this is just people talking. Like there's no such thing as bad publicity. Like this is just people just ramping this up and talking about it. And if it stays being talked about, then it's just doing good for both sides. Yeah. Or it's like, take, I mean, uh, what Matt Heafy was doing with the whole entire thing, he was making all these like long, like these longer posts about it, but it was always with a joke at the end of it with like, Oh, you know, D's nuts or Ligma nuts or something like that. I'm like, okay, now that's funny. Like, you know, right. you're br- and you're you're talking about it and you're bringing more attention to it. And I keep seeing people post still about it left and right. It's like, okay, you know, they've got MGK's head on a, like pasted over like a baby's body. I'm just like, well, you're still talking about it. So you're still talking about it. That's it still thing. stayed. It like for him. I mean, his streams are gonna go up because you're still talking about it. He his his uh his uh influence is still gonna be in pop culture's mindset and because Slipknot got brought into it you know here comes Slipknot into it and all these other bands are kind of jumping into it as well and it could be this whole entire huge publicity thing it could have been just something that he was doing it could have been according who knows I do under I do feel 100% though that you know this is a calculated move by MGK so I never really talked about that much I'm like I can kind of see what's happening here I'm just gonna let it be yeah 10,000% but yeah, I think people take they take shit in music way too seriously. Uh, that that that's the gist of all of this. That's like the the thematic um, conclusion for that that whole thing is like people take music too seriously sometimes. Yeah, it's something where I can understand where people take it uh, really seriously just because of how, the personal connection they can have into right. it. But there comes a point in time where you gotta you got you gotta realize when to be super serious about it and when to be more relaxed and just have fun and just chill with it. Right. And like, especially when it comes to like writing music, like there is, and, and just even beyond close my eyes where I have that line, like check out my frown when I strive, which again, I think is so fucking fun. <laughs> um, we have a, like, it's, it's not going to be a single. It's just going to be a song that releases with the album. But there is a song on the album that's called vicious riches where the song is completely about like, if I was a multimillionaire, how would I get revenge on someone? that is the entire like concept of the song and it is super like trap metal Corey, and i love it i think it's so like the whole thing like we wrote it as we wrote it in studio when we were in la with john we wrote it as a joke because we were like this is so funny and then we were like whoa wait this song is actually like really (laughs) it goes way too hard like we have to put this on the album (laughs) no freaking way yeah, it's so good. Jeez, I'm gonna have to end up like marketing this podcast to a bunch of like falling in reverse fans because like that kind of has like that same kind of idea. Like I'm thinking like you're saying yeah. like yeah, you know I'm asking. I'm like I'm thinking just I'm in my head. I'm just hearing like I am aware that I am an asshole, and I'm just thinking right. Yeah, I, I'm like I got to market this podcast to you know falling in reverse fans. All of a sudden they're gonna hear Vicious Rich and be like <laughs> I get it. Yeah, like and that I tr- honestly I think that might be my favorite song on the entire album. Just like how it turned out because like 
it's funny. Like the, the concept behind it's funny. And I also think that like, it's, it's kind of backhanded at the same time. Cause it's, it's also self-aware in that it's like, this is if I had the money. So I am saying like, I do not have the money to do all these things. So I will sit here and do nothing. And I'm just going to whine and complain about it. <laughs> but, um, even just as a song, like it has like, like I, that song definitely has like the nastiest breakdown that empty has ever written. One thousand percent. Now you're saying nasty breakdown. Now I'm just like, oh my god. I yeah. So uh, first, shit. first talking about like how I would like buy a plane and crash it into your house, and then it just whips into this like insane, like the, again, the nastiest breakdown that we've ever written. All right. Well, then, I mean, I'm, if I get a chance, or I'll say this, when I get a chance to go and see you guys live, because I'm gonna hope that song gets played. I'm gonna have to like, you know stretch out my neck do like those like neck rolls and make sure all of a sudden like when that breakdown hits you know if i'm not in like a wall of death if i'm head banging i gotta make sure my head doesn't fall off right right Which, yeah and that that song might. actually is in our set that is the uh currently the last song that we play in our set because i was like we gotta tack it on oh especially if it's gonna have a nasty breakdown it's just something where <laughs> the crowd's just gonna get into it especially if it's somewhere if it's got a little bit of a build up in between and you can get the crowd just be like all right split and all of a sudden, just right. go. Pfft. I mean, right, right. wall of death style. I'm, I mean, I'm all for it, man. That just sounds like a yeah. great. That just sounds like a great way to end a show. Yeah, for sure, like ten thousand percent. And uh, that's, I think that that's like that might be. It's one of, if not like our highest energy song. Ooh, just like the vibe of it. It's yeah. So I love to end that because it's like, all right, we're getting to like we played like the second to last song. It's like okay, cool. I am tired. Um, I'm feeling like I'm ready to get off of this stage because I am sweating and my voice is given out. Um, but then it's just like, I hear the intro for that song come over and I'm just like, all right, I'm back in like, this is it. I'm going to put it all into this one song. And then like, even like it from the crowd as well. It's like, if we're seeing that stage, like, okay, for that second last song, all of a sudden you're kind of getting a little tired. It's like, we'll see that's like, okay, you know, we'll see what happens at the last one. All of a sudden it's like, you start uh, vicious riches and all of a sudden it just gets you going. We're going to be like, Oh shit. We got to get going too. Ah! Start pushing right, right. shoulder check and throw them around. All of a sudden you're setting up Oklahoma drills in the middle of a pit and just having a blast doing it during the song. Right, man. Now I got to, why can't you guys come to Wisconsin, man, during this run? I want to see this live. Right. Yeah, I would. We're going to make me get in the car for six hours and drive out to see if I can make it happen. Right. Yeah, I'm just like, I wish I could just hit up Earth Grounds because uh, their vocalist, Jeremy, he put this whole tour together. So I'm just like, man, should just tacked on an extra couple of weeks, made it a five-week full U.S., and like dropped in like, okay, you know, come in the Midwest, go like to the Northeast, then go back down the East Coast. So you guys get home and just be like, all right, we did it. Or just, and then just go to Florida and just like, you know, rage for like two shows because I know it's Florida. It's right. Nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Florida is so hit or miss for us. Like sometimes we'll play Florida and it's like insane. And then other times we play Florida and it's like, all right, that might've been like the worst set we ever played. Ooh. Yeah, it's so hit or miss. It's like, and also another thing, this is like, this has nothing to do with Floridians or uh, any of the crowd that comes out to see us. The only reason that I hate going to Florida is every time we, because every time we play Atlanta, then we go to Florida. Every time we are leaving Atlanta to go to Florida, our van breaks down. Like without fail. It has happened three times. 
How many times is is it all three times that this has happened? All three times. And it's always, I'm pretty sure two of those times was for uh, Jacksonville. Well then shit, maybe go somewhere else before. Don't don't go from Atlanta to Florida, go somewhere else and then to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. We need to like go like Atlanta, go back to South Carolina, then come down to Florida. That's, that's the move we need to start making. Cause like, I do not, like, I don't get it. And the last time, like we were on the O sleeper tour and, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Jacksonville and um, our transmission like just completely blew out. Oh yeah. Which that's a whole funny story. So I'll just, I'll give you a quick uh, thing on that. I oh, haven't, I'll say I if you want to go in the whole thing, I love funny stories, man. So oh, yeah, I, I have never publicly gone in. Like I'll t- I've told this to like friends and other people here and there, but I've never publicly like disclosed this story. Um, so we are on our way from Atlanta down to Florida um we sleep in the van obviously because that's what we do um so we wake up the next day we turn the van on we're like okay um why is our van not going over 20 miles per hour so we drive 20 miles per hour to the nearest i mean we're in between like we're somewhere in between atlanta and the florida florida border i mean we're in the middle of nowhere um And so we're in this middle of the, we get this middle of the nowhere mechanic shop and he checks out the van. He's like, yeah, your transmission's bad. And I'm like, well, that sucks because this is the first tour that we've ever done with this van. It only has 35,000 miles on it. Ooh. So it was for all intents and purposes, this was like a brand new van. Yeah. And like 35,000 miles like that is like crazy for the transmission to blow out like that. Yeah, usually um, you get the transmission blog. I mean, anywhere between like usually it's like you know two hundred thousand before that thing ends up. Right. So I, I have no idea what it could have been, but it was what it was. So our label sent us money, and they were like, "Okay, get the transmission fixed." We ended up missing the Jacksonville date, but they were like, "Get the transmission fixed." Here's extra money. Rent a U-Haul. Drive down to your uh, your Margate, Florida show, which I don't know if you know where Margate is. It's like close to like Miami. It's South Florida. Okay. So he's like, drive down to South Florida, play that show, go all the way back, go get your van, and then go all the way back down and go back to Ocala. Oh, yeah, because we had three Florida dates. So um, we're looking for U-Hauls. There is not a, because the U-Hauls is cargo vans. That's what we would normally do in the event that a van broke down or something happened. We would usually just get a cargo van. Uh, There was not one within a 50-mile radius, so we had to get a box truck. This is the middle of July, and we are going down to South Florida. Oh, oh, God, no. There are three seats in the cab of the box truck, and there are five of us total because there's four in the band, and then our photographer slash merch guy, Adam. So I was like, you know, it's under my name, um, and it's under my card, and, like, if anything happens to it, then it's going to, like, I have to pay for it. So I'm driving the van so I was like, who's sitting in the box and who's sitting in the seat? That's between the four of you guys to, to fight it out. So what it ended up being was me and Ian were in the front. Cody, my bassist, Mitch, my guitarist, and Adam were all in, in the box. And they were like, you know what? If we're going to be miserable back here, we're going to make the most of it. They stopped at a gas station. They each bought a 40 and some margarita mix. <laughs> Not to mention, they didn't buy any other drinks. They didn't buy water. 
It is the middle of July. There's no light. There's no AC in the back of the box. Oh, they are oh God, just no. roasting. So they are dehydrated. They are roasting and they are just consuming alcohol at this point. We're driving over. They call. So Mitch gives me a call from the back of the box. He was like, hey, man, we really need to get some air. And uh, can you just like stop in the next exit and just let us get out for like a minute? And I was like, sure, dude, absolutely. Um, I was like, let me just get over the border and then uh, I'll stop at the next exit. So we have the box truck and we have a trailer. Like we, we are carrying our trailer on the box. Um, we're driving and then I see the blue lights behind me. So, (laughs) so then I'm like, what the hell am I getting pulled over for? So then, um, and this is just like another thing to disclose. Like Ian is really into like into smoking weed. He's like the only one man that's like really into that. Um, so Ian, I'm going to do my best Ian impression. I promise this is like spot on. Oh, fuck. I got to eat this weed. <laughs> like that, that is his response. Oh fuck. I got to eat this weed. So he pops out this Tylenol bottle, pops the cap off and he just pops it. And I'm like, cool. You got rid of the weed. Now the cab reeks. It oh, just, yeah. you might as well have just like lit up a joint in here because it reeks. So cop comes up over to Ian's side he knocks on the window. I texted Mitch. I was like, yo, don't make a fucking sound. We just got pulled over. So just stay quiet and we'll get it like squared away. As soon as the cop knocks on the window, Ian rolls the window down. Mitch did not get my text. So immediately window goes down. Um, I look over. And I'm just like, what's the problem, officer? Boom, boom, boom. They are knocking on the walls. Oh, no. Let us out. Like, we're stopped. Hey, we've been stopped for a minute. Like, let us out. Um, The cop looks at me. He's like, what the fuck was that? So he calls back up. And they come over, like, guns drawn. Like, they make us get out of the truck. So he walks around. So he's like walking behind us and he's like, open up that box right now. So I open it up and there are my two drunk bandmates and my merch guy. They are all stripped down completely to their underwear. (laughs) They are drunk. They are sweating. Immediately. And it's Mitch's face got me the best because like he had this, as soon as the box lifted open, he had this face of relief. Like he was like, (laughs) Oh, thank God, air. Oh, my God, why are these cops here? <laughs> so, like, for a, for a, at least a solid minute, that cop definitely thought we were trafficking people. <laughs> 100%. Um, so then he's, like, looking at my, like, drunk bandmates. So he's really, like, he's, he just realizes that we're all just a bunch of white dudes. Um, and he's just, like, what the, like, he's laughing to himself. He's just, like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) So Ian's like, we're in a band. Our van broke down. This was our only option of travel. We have to be at a show tomorrow in like pretty much Miami. Um, And this is, this is the best option that we had. So he was like, all right. um, Okay. Well, obviously 
I smelled weed in you guys' cab. So I'm going to have to search. Uh, am I going to find anything? And he was like, uh, no, he's like, you're not going to find any actual, like any bud. You're just going to find like the container that I had it in. He lines us up on the side of the road. He sits us all down his part, like his, uh, his backups, like just watching us. And he's going through mine and Ian's book bags in the front. Uh, he finds the container. He calls Ian over. Ian walks over and uh, he talks to him for a minute. Ian comes back and he's like kind of laughing. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck did he say to you? And he was like, oh, he uh, held up the container. He's like, is this the container you had it in? And I was like, oh, yes, sir. He's like, well, whatever you had, it smells like it was good shit. <laughs> and I was like, all right, word, we're getting off. Like, he is not going to arrest us right now. Like, we're definitely like getting off on this. So he comes over to us. He was like, all right. He was like, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a warning because the original reason that I pulled you over is you guys didn't stop at the way station. Oh, that is the whole yeah, we did not stop at the way station. He was like, yeah, you guys are driving a box with a trailer. You needed to stop at the way station. I was like, Psh, I didn't know that. Um, so that was the whole reason he's pulling over. So he's like, I'm giving you a warning for not stopping at the way station. He was like, three of you can try, can drive in the van, in the, in the box. I'm going to take the other two of you with me and we are going to go up to the next exit. There's a McDonald's. I will meet you there. I will drop you guys off. And whatever you do from there is completely on you guys. Damn. And that's what Damn, dude. <laughs> that's yeah. That is one hell of a fucking story. <laughs> yeah. I 1000, like I'm sitting there. I was just like, I didn't even know what to think. I was like, yo, I was like, there's so many things that I could be arrested for right now. Oh, and, ab- and none of those. Ha- no, I mean, you could have been arrested for the fact that, because I don't know what, what the uh, marijuana laws are in Florida at that time. So you, you might've been able to get arrested for that. Then uh, you, you know, get a ticket for not stopping at the way station, having people in the box. Yeah. <laughs> I will not lie to you. This is not the first time the podcast I've heard a story where the potential for like the cops thinking it was human trafficking was involved. Like this is the right. second or third time I've ever heard a band talk about something where this happened. It's like, it's literally all just a huge, just, yeah, that's not, it looks like that might be what's happening, but no, it's just the band trying to get from one show yeah. to the next. I'm pretty like, I'm still to this day. I am 99% positive. The only reason that he let us off was because he thought it was funny probably what he probably was like when he yeah. smelled the weed, he's like damn they, this is some good shit like where the hell like yeah. did, how did they get rid of it he's like and all of a sudden he might have actually your buddy you might have told him that he like he ate it. it's just like yeah and we, I, we super super lucky that day um and like it's really funny because our bassist was so drunk like he was gone <laughs> um like and they i also forgot to mention they had a blow-up mattress back there and for some reason in Cody's drunken state, he decided to uh, explain to the officer that the reason that they were sweating and that they had taken their clothes off is that they were having a wrestling match in the back <laughs> box while we were traveling down the interstate. <laughs> I was like, even if that's true, why are you, why are you telling this? What the fuck? 
and this, like, I don't know how the hell you would try and get off with something like that, but, like, if that's the explanation, even if I was a cop, I'd probably just start busting out laughing, just like, yeah. <laughs> out of all the things you could come up with, that's what you came up with? That, that's your explanation. Like, you couldn't have just stayed silent and just rolled with what we were telling him because we were, I mean, we were telling him the truth. Uh, but yeah, I think that he just thought the whole thing was super funny. And that is the only reason that he let us off. He was like, yeah, he was like, it is super illegal for you guys to be traveling the way that you are. Um, he was like, I don't recommend continuing to travel this way. Um, but he was like, if you do, that is completely on you. Just know that you may get pulled over again. And it may be by a cop who's way less nice about it. Yeah, or it's like someone that's having a real bad day and it's just like, what the fuck? Okay, what the hell is going on here? No, no, no. Right. You got lucky on that one, but that gives up the wrestling match? What yeah, wrestling match, wrestling match in the back of the box. Can't right. explain. Not gonna lie here. There's a couple of stories that whenever like I people like I bring up like I usually ask people three questions to start the podcast and the third question is always like some funny story that comes up. This yeah. story that you told me, there are two other stories I always bring up as examples. Like this story is going to be one that just sticks in my head as right. one of the like top two, top three funniest stories I've heard in this podcast in two and a half years. Like this <laughs> is holy shit. This is, yeah. I can't just believe like- it. It's just one of those things where I just like, it was one of those moments where I was like, am I in a movie right now? Like, this is, this is funny. Like, this is top. Like I was in the situation, like this is top tier comedy. Like if I get arrested tonight, that makes this story that much funnier. It's kind of like if super troopers and always sunny in Philadelphia had a crossover episode. That's basically what you guys went through. Right. Basically I was like, Oh my God. My only thing was, I was like, God, I'm going to have to have my mom like bail me out now. But the first thing that I did, as soon as we got into the McDonald's parking lot, I called my mom and I was like, Hey mom, I almost got arrested. <laughs> well, and she was like, what the hell did you do? And I explained to her the situation. And she was like, Oh my God. She was like, you should have led with the story instead of starting off with, I almost got arrested. Yeah, but I mean, you wouldn't be as interested if I start off the story. It's one of those like freeze frame. You're probably wondering how I got here. Yeah, see, I mean, this all wraps into like what we first talked about when it comes like creating that live experience. Like, you know, like that thing that people are going to latch onto within the first couple of minutes. I mean, if you're going to tell a story like this to your mom, it's like you're not going to start out with the whole entire story because she's not going to be as invested unless you say, hey, mom, I almost got arrested. If that's your start, she's going to be like, what the hell happened? And watch the actively know the whole thing. Now I have her full undivided attention. Now she wants to know every detail front to back. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with, with being in this band, it's like, those are the moments that at that moment for some of us, like I, I again, I'm, I'm an asshole. I thought it was like peak top tier comedy. Um, but, you know, at that moment, it was just like, it was kind of nerve wracking and it was just like, okay, like we don't know what's going to happen. Like, what are we going to do if we get arrested right now? Um, but it's like me and Ian will like sit there and like look back at that story. And we're just like, yo, that was like wild. And we have so many other like stories and events that have happened that it's just like, damn, like if I wasn't in this band, like I never would have experienced any of those things. So absolutely. And it's just somewhere again, the fact that you told that story, I mean, I mean, I'm laughing hysterically about it, especially with the whole entire, oh, we were wrestling in the back. <laughs> 
Like right. that that got me just completely. It's something where as as you go on in life, that's gonna be something that you're never gonna forget. Like you're gonna be like 90 years old talking to like your grandkids like, hey grandpa, anything you do that's crazy. Let me tell you a story, fuckers. Okay, here we go. And it's like, and you're gonna be just like, it's it's a memory that you're gonna have where it's like, you know, there. I hear a lot of people talk about like, oh, you know, you don't want to live life then you regret. It's like that's something you're gonna be like, you know, when you get old, it's like you're gonna remember the positive moments. Like that's a memory right. you're gonna remember. Be like, God damn, that was hysterical. Right, and it also just like between me and like between me and Ian and like all the guys that were there. It's like that's a. Uh that's like a bonding moment like that's a moment that like we are all gonna carry with us together like for the rest of our lives and that we're just gonna look back on and be like yeah that was like such an awesome time like that was so funny like that night we uh we ended up staying with our friend dennis um out in florida he plays in a band called the real you super sick um but uh we stayed over at his house and ian took a polaroid of me and him that night so he carries that around in his wallet it's every time we look at that picture we're like that was that night. I think you put it perfectly where it's, this is that, that's a moment that for you guys, for everyone in the band, and especially for you and Ian, especially because after that polar ride, that's a bond. That's a fine moment. That's a moment that you guys are never going to forget. That's a moment that's always going to connect you and those four guys for the rest of your lives. I mean, even beyond that, especially with everyone that's heard the story, it's something where, you know, a lot of people strive to have moments like that in life. There's a lot of people that want to, you know, connect with their friends like that. And the fact that you made that, like you guys made that happen. Of course, it always happens in, you know, the craziest, wackiest, most out of this world ways. But the fact that at the end of the night, you guys took a Polaroid and Ian still carries it around. I mean, that just, that that just speaks volumes about you guys as a band, about how, you know, the chemistry that you guys have, how tight knit you guys are together. And it's just that that's something that, you know, you can't replicate anywhere else. Right. And like, it's, uh, I, I have always said like being in a band is the closest that you can be to a group of people or to another person without being married to them. Like that is the closest you are going to get to somebody. Um, cause I mean, like really you think about it, it's like you spend weeks, months, like so much of the, like such a large portion of your year in a hundred square foot of van space with these people so it's like you you just it's forcibly like you guys are gonna get close and you guys are gonna share things that like you've never shared with anybody else and you're gonna feel closer with those people and share moments with them that you're not gonna have with any other person in your life yeah and it's something that you know you're gonna want to keep that forever it just it's man I'm just thinking about like I'm even starting to think about like the stupid shit I've done with my friends over the past, and like you just seeing like some of the pictures that pop up every now and again online. It's like, yeah, we had this picture from like nine years ago, where all of a sudden it's like these crappy like paintings that we made, and it looks like I'm like sitting behind one butt ass naked. I'm like, oh, I remember that day. That was a fun ass right. day. And it's like even people that aren't even like that were in empty and they're not in the band anymore. Like Co- like Cody and Mitch, they're not in the band anymore, and they're doing their own thing at this point. But like. Like, to me, those dudes are still family. Like, those, like, we went through experiences that nobody else can say they've gone through. And we've bonded and we've had these, like, like these momentous experiences that nobody else will be able to understand except for, like, the group of us that was there. 
Yeah, and even with those guys that aren't in the band anymore, again, it's that that speaks volumes to the fact that you know they're not in the band anymore. But you guys still have this, you know, tight knit emotion to each other, especially through all the stuff you went through. You still see him as family. There's not a lot of bands that have stuff like that, but the fact that you guys have that with those guys is that's incredible. Yeah, for sure. Like those dudes are they're awesome people. Um, and just like I think you go through sometimes where it's just like musically you guys just like grow apart or just as people i think that you grow up and you grow apart and you don't feel like that same kind of way with them anymore and you feel like you know you need to spread your wings and do other things and i think that's just where we're at but like i still love those dudes to death and i think that they're incredible people and uh like i said we have experiences that we've shared that i can't i'm never going to get that kind of experience or feel those kind of emotions with anybody else in my life no and again it's just it's it's something that's beautiful man and i honestly think that's a great great way to wrap up this podcast is just the fact that i mean the one of the craziest stories i've ever heard on this podcast bar none i mean this was just insane but right. just hearing the fact that like even though some of those guys are no longer in the band but you still have this close connection to them and it's still like you know that brotherhood bond it's something that in man a lot of people strive for that in life and the fact that Again, one of the craziest stories I've ever heard, and you guys have it. Just damn, man, you're a lucky yeah. guy. I I truly I say that to myself every single day. It's a good thing to rem- keep as like a reminder. But Gary, as we bring this incredible podcast to a close, one thing I like to do at the end of this is always give my guests a chance to say anything they want to say, plug whatever they want to plug, promote whatever they want to promote. So at the moment, Gary, floor is yours. Um. Again, we got our album, Made of Fire, coming out October 22nd. I want to give a huge shout out to Eli Strobeck and John Lindeen for helping me bring this thing to life. Um, Shout out to Dennis and The Real You from Florida for uh, being hospitable and housing us on that crazy uh, adventurous story. Um, And shout out to you, dude, for having me. Oh, well, thank you, man. So... Now it's time for me to close this podcast with three things. So with Empty, their brand new album, Made of Fire, comes out on October 22nd. And after hearing what we just talked about and the crazy, crazy ass story that Gary just told us, you're going to want to know more about Empty. You're going to want to follow them on all their social media platforms. You're going to want to watch those, you know, music videos. You're going to want to stream music, buy the music, download the music, buy some merch. Just basically follow them online every place you can. But instead of actually like going and searching this stuff up because, you know, that actually takes time, let me take the time and do that for you. Take a look at the description of the podcast. You're going to see something that says Find Empty Online. You're going to see labels, links. It's going to be a one-click, one-stop shop to check out everything. So go like them and follow them on social media. Go subscribe on YouTube and watch some of those YouTube videos. Go buy some merch. Go buy the album. Go stream it. Whatever you do, get an empty because, my God, with a story like that, how can you not? Let's just be honest. How can you not? And now, Gary, number two, this one is a promise I like to make to guests I have in the podcast that I absolutely enjoy having on. This happens 100% of the time. It was pretty much a clincher after the first, like, 10 minutes. But, I mean, after that story, this is, like, a no-brainer. So, my promise to you is this. It starts out with when, not an if, because if implies possibly not happening. When implies that it will happen. Time is just to be determined. So, when I can see Empty perform live for the first time. My promise to you is this, my man. First round's on me. Hell yeah, I appreciate that. Hell yeah, man. So 
I can't end this podcast with a goodbye because, dude, this was so much fucking fun. I really would love to do it again sometime in the future. None of that, but I got to make good on that promise and pay up on my debt because, well, yeah, that's something I like to do as well. So, can't end this goodbye. That's too final. We're going to end it with this. See you later, man. See you later, buddy. Well, well, folks, that was my interview with Gary from the band Empty. And yes, go check out Made of Fire. It comes out on the 22nd. Link description of the podcast for everything when it comes to Empty socials, where to stream your music, where to buy music, buy some merch. Again, make sure you follow us on MSOT Rocks. Soon to be just be straight core progression podcast beginning of 2022. Uh, subscribe to the Core Progression Podcast here on YouTube if you're watching the video or if you're listening on Spyville Podcast, iHeartRadio, or Amazon. Give us a subscribe because it helps us out. And come on, you'll make me happy doing it. Oh! yeah but i want to thank gary for being on because holy crap this was so much fun talking about how to create that special moment hearing that whole entire story the box truck the weed rest <laughs> we were just wrestling back there i still can't get enough of that oh my god i cannot wait to see empty perform live for the first time i can't wait to buy these guys a freaking beer because my god that was too hysterical i want to watch this live show too i want to see him climb on the raps and be like hell yeah so again i hope you guys are like this one because this was one of the most enjoyable ones i've ever had the opportunity of recording this was absolutely fantastic thank you gary thank you adam slitter pr for connecting us again made a fire comes out on the 22nd and on that note that's going to be it for me today, guys. Thank you for watching listening to the Chord Progression Podcast. Brought to the MSG Rocks, Rock and Metal Thrive. My name is Kevin. And you guys know how I end every single one of these episodes with a big, healthy, and hearty see y'all. Yeah.